The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Welcome to the Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss and discover a roadmap to healing. I'm your host, Lisa Campion, and I hope you can join us since the world needs all the healing it can get. And we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. Hello there, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is the Miracle of Healing. So finding clarity and compassionate accountability are really essential practices for living a meaningful life and can really also help us solve a lot of our most essential problems in our personal life and also in our business life. We have a special guest today, Mark Lesser. He is the CEO, executive coach, a Zen teacher. And we're going to talk about how finding clarity and compassionate accountability can provide a path for developing more understanding, alignment, preventing unhealthy conflicts, and working skillfully and effectively with different perspectives. So he's written this beautiful book called Finding Clarity, How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. And he is a pretty amazing guy. So he's a CEO, an executive coach, Zen teacher. He's founded and CEO of three companies. He has an MBA from New York University and is the author of four books, including Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, Lessons from Google, and a Zen Monastery Kitchen, which I've got to read just based on that title. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks for being on the show today, Mark. Thanks, Lisa. It's good to be here. So tell us about this, um, this idea of compassionate accountability. What is it and how did you come to talk about it? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting that um, how uh, the word accountability gets used a lot in the in the work world. And it generally has sort of a bad reputation. You know, I think if you were to ask anyone what words are most um, related, they would say lack of accountability, or people would think of those those horrible performance reviews. But actually, accountability, the, a, a word that I've been using as a maybe a close relative is alignment, um, is to be aligned. And, and I think this is... Um, you know, uh, internally aligned, right? So holding ourselves accountable or looking at our own way in which, in what way are our values, what's most important to us and our lives and relationships and actions, are, are we aligned? But particularly, I think alignment plays out all the time in all of our relationships, whether in the workplace or in our personal lives. It's, uh, 
you know, we humans are can be pretty complicated creatures in that, you know, one of my um, one of my favorite opening lines for a book was uh, the politics of experience. Uh, R.D. Lang said, you know, I cannot experience your experience. You cannot experience my experience. Therefore, we are invisible to each other. Now, that's maybe a little bit, um, you know, cynical, but we can never know another person's experience. And it actually takes real ongoing, I think, uh, effort and openness and skill to really align with another person. Hmm. So accountability, you know, I think it's a word that means probably a lot of things to different people. I was thinking it has a lot to do with integrity. So when I was thinking about it, that's what came up for me. But I like your concept of alignment. But let's talk about integrity, too. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, integrity as in truth telling, right, as in you know, being able to, um, again, integrity is, is about, you know, a search for the truth, uh, making one's best effort to be, you know, to be honest, ethical, open vulnerable there's a kind of a vulnerability quality to um i think mm. accountability being able to admit mistakes and failures is is just part of part of it but you know it's interesting um in the work world it starts i think with with like what does success look like what are we aiming for are we clear about what we're trying to accomplish and maybe in in our family lives is like what what matters to us as you know as as a family what's the what does success look like even as a family not in terms of the usual business accomplishments but in terms of the quality of our relationships and how we communicate you know a, a big part you know a big part of i think accountability has to do with how we respond to failure and breakdowns and difficulties and our own our own, I think, um, built-in fight, flight, or freeze that we humans seem seem to have. I think I was just thinking in our political political discussion. I think or cover up, you know, seems to be, you know, but that's I think a part of mm-hmm. um, avoiding, right? So many, many of us, um, inc- and I would include myself, are more naturally conflict avoidant. So accountability is recognizing that and having building uh, and honing tools and skills to recognize the avoidant qualities um, and to, and to be able to transform those into greater clarity and skill in order to be more accountable. Right. So instead of like, maybe like when you make a mistake or things aren't going right, instead of hiding it, covering it up, passing the buck, passing the responsibility, like all the things that we, we do to sort of dodge um, taking accountability we lean into it. Yeah. I mean, it's so common in any relationship, someone does something or says something, or even could be a, a, a look and you, and you notice even it could be a small, medium or large kind of ouch, like, like, huh, they, they, they did what they said, what? Um, mm. And there's a tendency, I think to um, not, not want to then really recognize that. And, and, you know, cause again, like we, we tend to, we, I think we're just naturally wired to, um, 
avoid pain, difficulty, and stress for the most part. And so there's something about shifting, I think, our relationship with pain, difficulty, and stress and not being so afraid of it and tossed around by it. And to be more curious, starting with, oh, that's interesting. I wonder, you know, I wonder what, I wonder what that's, um, what that's about. You know, the, the first, the first chapter in my book, Finding Clarity is be curious, not furious. And it could be, you know, be curious, not, you know, uh, don't, don't pretend that you didn't just feel that, or that didn't just happen. And, and we don't have to, underreact. And we also don't have to overreact, right? That's the other thing that we tend to do is like, we get right. If we're, if our feelings are hurt, we're feeling vulnerable in any way, we tend to attack, we tend to blame, you know, there must be can't be us, you know, and we see that in so many, you know, in, in so many ways, and, you know, even, you know, driving, right, someone, someone cuts us off on the highway and we immediately are enraged. Like, how dare they? And, but, you know, we have no idea what their experience was. They might not have even noticed us. Maybe they just changed right. lanes and anyhow, there's mm-hmm. that. I think, um, I think in, in many, many of our relationships, people are just merely changing lanes and don't, they're not, they're not necessarily trying to cause us harm, but our experience, we might have a very different experience than what that person intended. Right. So the middle path, right? Where we don't, we don't overreact, we don't underreact. There's the middle path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Of course, I like it's, it's the middle path, but it's, it's the clear path. I think it's, it's like being really honest and open about and curious about what's really, what's really happening here. What's, um, what am I feeling? Am I, you know, uh, am I seeing accurately? Am I am I being am, am I being tossed around by my own feelings here? What's happening with this other person? You know, may, mm-hmm. maybe they are attacking me. Maybe they are angry. Let's deal with it. So it strikes me that that takes some skills um, to do those things. To be self-observant. To learn how to step into a conflict in a skillful way. Most of us don't have though, especially in corporate world. Yeah. Well, I, I think of it as um, maybe two, again, separate, but over, over, uh, overarching, you know, overlapping. There's, yes, there are, I think it starts with what I think of as uh, self-awareness, right? There's an awareness, there's that ongoing lifelong practice of self-awareness, emotional awareness, emotional intelligence. But then there are I think an awful lot of uh, skills and competencies about, especially in this realm of accountability, right? It takes skill to give someone feedback about something that they're doing well or not doing well, to, to, to be able to have those, you know, how are we doing? How's it going? Uh, what could we do to work better? What could we do to work more, more effectively? You know, it's a question that has stayed with me for many, many years. I, I used to get to spend some time with Zen teacher Thich Nhat Hanh, and he suggests in in our you know personal relationships the question: Please tell me how can I love you better? How can I love you better? Like, wow, what an amazing question! What in an amazing work, question! In, in the workplace, it's please tell me. You know, how could we be more effective? Like, what, what's 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 working? What could be better? Mm, I love that. 
So corporate CEO, Zen Buddhist teacher, how did, how did these come together? <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think that uh, many, many years ago, I, I spent um, from my uh, early 20s to my early 30s as a resident of the San Francisco Zen Center. And five of those years at a Zen monastery, Tassajara Zen Mountain Center, Oddly enough, I, I found myself in leadership roles within this Zen community. I was the director of Tassajara, my 10th my year living at the Zen Center. And it was particularly in that role where I realized I had this, this insight that though I thought of myself as a, you know, a Zen student, I was also in a leadership role. And there was, it was so interesting, I thought, getting stuff done in that environment and it was with an emphasis, I think, on integrity, honesty, but also, um, you know, uh, getting things. Like, it was important that we were, you know, we we this this um, Tassajara turns into a kind of a workshop center and conference center with um, serving overnight guests and and so mm. high high level of um, accountability there in in such an environment. And I, th- I remember thinking, like, why isn't everyone incorporating these awareness practices, mindfulness practices, kind of somatic, you know, body practices into leadership? It just made a lot of sense to mm. me. And, and I, I thought, well, maybe there's, maybe this is what I'll do with this lifetime is I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll do what I can to bring this sense of, you know, non-duality, non-duality practices, deep, deep meditation, mindfulness practices into the world of work. And um, I ended up uh, leaving uh, the Zen Center and getting an MBA degree. And then I started, I started a publishing company. I started a company that made uh, greeting cards and calendars and other things, you know, out of recycled paper. But we were also licensing the words of Thich Nhat Hanh and poetry of Rumi and the Dalai Lama. So it was very much a, uh, a business that uh, reflected my own uh, values. And I discovered, like, man, running a company is hard work, right? Uh, being res- having employees, hiring and firing, uh, dealing with money, you know, sometimes my closest friends would ask me, you know, when I was in that CEO entrepreneur role, well, how's it going? How's, how's, how are you feeling about running this company? And I said, I would often say everything is, I love everything about it, except the people and the money. And because <laughs> it's hard, it's hard. It's hard. I have, I have great, um, great respect for anyone that um, can start and grow and run or, or, or leadership in general. And especially, I think people who are trying to do positive things, right? This, this, then bringing in that element. It's, it's not just about financial sustainability. It's not just about, um, you know, being uh, successful, sustainable in the world of money. But it's like, can you also have a positive impact in the world, um, or at least not do harm? Like, so those are all, I think, um, wonderful aspirational things that I hope we're all we're, that these days that we're all at least um, paying attention to. 
It just seems like an, a, a great extension of your practice. I mean, if you if you get to feeling too peaceful in a monastery, then coming back into the world and trying to run a company, <laughs> you know, with, like with all of the chaos and the people and the money, like all those things you said, like what an incredible place to put your practice into practice. Totally, right? totally. No, and, and I've come more and more to feel like these things go together. Like they're, they're, I think they're essential. I think that mm-hmm. you need to have some kind of a self-awareness practice in order to, to um, be a good leader. And I also think the world of work and working together is actually good for your practice. It's, it's like yeah. it's such a great cauldron. You know, it can shake you to your core because it's hard, right? Dealing with yeah. people and money and success and failure. Mm. Uh, you know, and it's funny, you know, I just got back. I just spent five days back uh, doing a retreat. And I also feel like, oh, yeah, I, I need that sort of going back to the well time, too, of stepping out mm. of the the world of, uh, you know, the world of work and, and that, um, and, and I think it's useful to have both have a place where we can, again, this is for, for, I think any of us that daily meditation practice, that daily yoga practice, whatever it is, is that, that sort of returning to the well, that kind of being able to reset and then back out, back out onto the, the frontier of making good things happen, hopefully. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. So we are here with Mark Lesser talking about his book, Finding Clarity, How Compassionate Accountability Builds Vibrant Relationships, Thriving Workplaces, and Meaningful Lives. We were talking a little bit about the tools that were required. You talk about working through difficult emotions with clarity, care, and connection. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yes. So we were also you know, saying that I think there's the Again, I think of these as the importance of cultivating one's presence, right? Cultivating, mm-hmm. again, this, um, you know, noticing how our tendency to, um, you know, as one of my, one of my Google scientist friends used to say is that we humans are hardwired to scan for threats, and this is where that that inner I think where that inner critic as well as that outer judge comes from. So I think there is that that deep work of becoming more and more aware of what is what are our own tendencies around how we deal with threats and conflict, our our mistaken beliefs about ourselves. Um, so often I think again we tend to. Um, underestimate uh, our own agency, our own influence, our own power that we 
have positive positive power. And then there's all of the um, moving moving. I feel like maybe up the up the elevator to the skills and competencies that are important if we're going to uh, practice in this realm of accountability and compassionate accountability. Right. So this, uh, mm-hmm. as you were saying earlier, right, high high integrity, uh, high clarity, uh, but with you know with compassion, with care, with trust, with love. This is a, I think it's a great um, combination, essential combination to high integrity, clarity, and uh, care. And you're bringing these um, these practices, this mindset, and this frame into the corporate world, which makes me feel so optimistic and hopeful, really, because I, I wonder, like, what would happen if all of the corporations had sort of a you know, these, these Zen principles, like about not causing harm and about, you know, thinking about the interconnectedness of all of, of all of us and how you can't really hurt something or someone without hurting ourselves. Like I it's, are there companies that are really interested in living by those principles? Well, I, I imagine you're familiar with B Corps. I, I, you know, there's, yeah, that, um, I think they, um, it's actually some, uh, a friend of mine, who I've, uh, someone I've known for many, many years, was part of the founding team of B Lab that does these B Corps. That, from a from a very practical legal perspective, is shifting the definition of a corporation, so that so that a corporation is not just about maximizing shareholder wealth, but includes you know people and environment or people and and planet. But really, I think you know. On the ground, I think it's opening the hearts and minds of leaders. Because uh, I, you know, what, what I've what I found is that in in the corporate world, you know, for the most part, people want to do the right thing. You know, people care. You know, they these are. It's funny, even um, you know, one of the examples I sometimes use is that must be hard. You know, to wake up if you were if you were a uh, a long-term executive at Coca-Cola. You just thought you were, you know, you're just providing people with soft drinks. You know, what could be bad about that? And then, you know, science shows that actually you're making a product that pretty unhealthy. And now what do you, and now what do you do? Now, now what, now what do you do? And actually in some way, even I think, um, I think much of social media Again, these, it gets it gets quite complicated, and I don't want to be you know I, I don't want to be too uh, avoidant or you know people have many many motivations for starting companies for doing things for you know I, I suspect that the Google founders, for example, like man, they had this great idea like let's let's make information uh, more available, you know, and then and then money comes in and advertising comes in and all kinds of unintended consequences are there. And, and then what, you know, then what does it look like? What does it look like to do the right thing? What does it look like in the realm of money? And, and it gets complicated. And, but, but then I think this is where these practices around, you know, uh, compassion and accountability become crucial. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, these are complicated, but we've got to make, we've got to do things that are, you know, we have to help, we have to heal. And and it gets, it gets complex right away. 
And is that where we fall back into our meditation practice? Like what, what, if somebody's just new to this, like, how do we even start? I mean, I've been a meditator forever. My parents were hippies and they took me to transcendental meditation when I was 10, you know, and I actually met Maharishi, you know, at that point, I had no idea who he was, but later as an adult, I was like, wow, that was, I met Maharishi when I was 10 and I lived in Japan for quite some time and studied Zen and met, learned how to oof, meditate on my knees, you know, on the mat, on the mat, <laughs> no cushion. <laughs> um, it was hardcore. So that aside, like, what do we do for just starting if this is new? Well, I think a great place to start is to have, um, you know, regular meditation practice to be curious about, you know, to check out there, there are lots and lots of really good, uh, ongoing groups, communities, there's great teachers, mm -hmm. there's almost endless books that you can, that you can read and uh, whether it's the Zen school or the insight meditation school mm -hmm. uh, or Tibet, again, I think they're um, much, much more similar than, than different, but essentially I think they are uh, all practices for opening one's heart and one's mind to mm -hmm. that's, that's to me, the, the, the starting, the starting point, the, but then there's also, I think, um, getting uh, training ourselves to understand again if this is, um, you know, uh, of interest, the world of money, the world of entrepreneurship, the world of politics, uh, all of these, uh, all of these various um, worlds, uh, and uh, and with open eyes to look at, you know, what's working and what needs change. And man, there's no shortage, you know, someone. Um, I got. I, I was just teaching this community of people who are practicing Zen, and I got asked, you know, what what do we do about the the broken systems that we all live within? You know, what do we do? You know, and um, first, I think it's recognizing, you know, that um, there's a lot of serious problems with our political system, with our financial systems, um, mm -hmm. and to ask the question, you know, what, what, what can each of us do? What can we do together to, um, to help them, to heal them, to change them for the, for the better. And, and that becomes really hard, but it starts with, starts with us. And it starts even with, you know, within our own workplaces. Like, again, we live, you know, most of us live on many different levels in many worlds, but I often think that these practices are, there's the individual practice, there's the relationship practice, and then for many of us, there's the more the, the cultural, uh, our work, our workplace practices, and how can we, how can we have positive healing influences in all three of those places? And this is ongoing, ongoing, uh, on the ground and aspirational, aspirational yeah. work. I love it. I love it, and I find like for me as a longtime meditator myself, that peace has to start on the inside of me, you know, and as I find that peace on the inside through my spiritual practices, then I can expand that out into my relationships, you know, until I get triggered and then I go back inside and expand that out into the world until I get triggered and then I go back inside, you know, and I just, I just know that the way to clean all that up is to stay inside, to stay peaceful inside and do the work that I need to do to um to come back to that place yeah no i i find i ha i have to keep doing you know that that work myself and i feel really lucky in that 
I get to uh, do coaching and consulting with CEOs. Particularly, I, I work with socially responsible companies. I, I'm working now with a socially responsible bank that wants to change how we work with money. Nice. Uh, I'm working with a, um, you know, a CEO of a nonprofit um, that is around, you know, protecting the First Amendment. I mean, there's a ama- it's amazing the um, again the the, pe- the the number of people that are doing the environmental work, the really good work, you know, and of course, you know, there's still, there's a lot of people still fighting for, to keep fossil fuels going, you know, because people are making so much money around, you know, uh, energy that's, you know, or, or even the example I used earlier about Coca-Cola, there's still uh, Coca-Cola executives are doing everything they can to maximize the amount of money they can make, even despite what they know are the uh, you know, the detrimental effects of their products. So it's hard and there's a lot of work. We have some work to do. We have some work to do. (laughs) And again, but I think it starts again, as you were saying, within each of us, within our families and within our local, you know, it's, it's all, you know, it's both local and global. And it's kind of amazing that we get to partake locally and globally Um, in all kinds of ways these days. Well, Mark, thank you so much for this incredible conversation. And I want to give you a chance to share where people can find you and where they can get your books. Um, I'm easy to find. Um, It's Mark, M-A-R-C, Lesser, L-E-S-S-E-R dot net is my website. And um, there are all kinds of um, writing. You know, I do do, um, regular newsletters and blogs and guided meditations. And my book is Finding Clarity, which can be found anywhere books are sold these days. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. It was really inspiring. Thank you. And I enjoyed it very much. Thanks. And thanks all of you for listening. I know you're just going to reach right out and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a second of the amazing conversations we hear we have here on the miracle of healing if you want to find me you can find me at lisacampion.com i hope you stop by and visit say hello leave me a message thank you so much for being with us here on the miracle of healing where we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on mind body spirit fm Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.